Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 533-42 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. Eleven o'clock. Welcome in. It is the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour, presented by Firehouse Subs. Tyler West, Tyler Head, West Mitchell, Chris Clark, along with you on your Tuesday morning. Here, thank you once again to Grace and Sydney from the Garnet Trust for hanging out with us for today's edition of the. Garnet Trust Tower, there's a whole lot going on in the world of uh, NIL. I talked a little bit earlier, and, and Chris, you mentioned it in the last hour as well, that uh, there's some stuff cropping up at uh, at Florida that kind of flew under the radar over the weekend because it was kind of the classic Friday news dump. But, um, you know, you saw Florida State kind of get hammered by uh, the NCAA a couple weeks back for their stuff uh, involving Amarius Mims when he was uh, a transfer visitor down there at Florida. Uh, Florida State, and um, now it seems like Florida might be getting dinged with something going back to the Rashada situation from last year that we all remember so well. Well, remember when that happened and the facts started coming out Mm -hmm. of, hey, the now defunct Florida Collective, which was called Gator Collective, one of the first in the country, maybe the first. It was was one of the earlier ones for sure. Very early collective. And, you know, you kind of heard some whispers in the recruiting industry, the NIL space about, man, like some of the things are a little. And then you, you saw the what came out, and it was that Gator Collective had signed a high school kid to an agreement. And you're going, well, they can't do that, can they? Right? Like, isn't right. this what's not supposed to happen? But then time went on, nothing happened. He ultimately didn't even go to Florida. That was well documented. Ends up at Arizona State. And so I think the question was just, will anything ever come of this? Because if it doesn't, that's just yet another signal that the NCAA really can't enforce any of this stuff. We have seen lately 
You remember Miami was the first school where you heard whispers like, hey, they're looking into some things with the whole life wallet thing. Yep. Which he was originally committed to Miami before going to Florida. That's right. So he looks, you know, they look at Miami. I don't think anything's really come come about there. Florida getting dinged for that situation. Florida State, a more recent situation, but they get dinged. And so we have seen a little bit now of evidence of what was being, you know, theorized, I don't know, a year or two ago. Hey, the NCAA's hiring more enforcement staff. They're they're actually going to – they've got some open investigations, and we have seen some of them. My question is, does this accelerate the processes for other schools? Tyler, you mentioned like Missouri, for instance. Yep. Missouri basically has in their state law that they're allowed to do exactly what FSU just got in trouble for doing. Mm-hmm. So to me, the the smart states via their schools are yeah. going to be like, hey, if there's something we're worried well, about, let's just put it in our state law. And you know what? Missouri also benefits from being the only Division One FBS yes. institution within their own states. So they have a monopoly over that. So it's not like Florida where, hey, you've got three, four different state, uh, different schools to worry about. They truly, it only really benefits them at the end of the day. And uh, again, Florida's a little bit of a, of a different story down there. But, you know, kind of relating back to the Florida State thing where we saw the NCAA you know, issue some pretty stiff penalties over that recruiting violation, which is literally just driving this prospective transfer recruit to a meeting with an NIL booster. Um, and he didn't even end up going to the school, but the NCAA came down on them fairly hard in, in a lot of people's opinions. And if they find the smoking gun with what's going on down at Florida and with the Jaden Rashad situation, they're probably going to ding them pretty good too. Because again, the NCAA doesn't have a lot of power, but when they can yield it to come down on someone, they usually try and do that pretty heavily. I mean, this has got to be seen as they're trying to just make examples, right? Like, sure. I, I felt like that we were past all this. Like, I, I And I think the reaction from pretty much everyone was just, wait, what? The, the NCAA even cares about this stuff anymore? Like, I I, I don't know. It was kind of, it's kind of like, all right, this is, this is us showing we do still have some power. Sure. And, you know, I, it, it was not very well received, it seems like, throughout college athletics except for people who were maybe rivals of those schools and just laughing at Florida State because the couple of weeks they had there back to back to back. It was a rough month. Yeah. And and then luckily they did not complete the trifecta luckily for them of also losing their coach to Alabama because that yes. would have been that the whole bad news it, comes in threes thing would have been they, they might have had to shut down the program at that point in time because it was just going in the wrong direction. But, um, yeah, so so Florida State already got dinged for it. This investigation with the Rashada stuff actually started back in the summer, which we now learned um, that the University of Florida was privy to the inquiry on Friday, which is now why it's you know being reported on publicly. But uh, as we imagine, when this stuff came about, because, uh, again, he was promised basically $13 million, gets to campus, uh, looks around, says, hey, where's my $13 million? Oh, we actually don't have it. Well, I'm going to go to Arizona State then. And that just started a ripple effect that, um, you know, is now, you know, Florida's having to um, having to deal with. You know, Billy Napier already has a tough 2024 ahead of him with that daunting schedule. Uh, they barely, you know, avoided disaster with their signing class. Now it could be looking at sanctions when the season rolls around too. It's a, it's a rough time down there in the Sunshine State. Yeah, and the, the pressure is on, regardless of all this, the yeah. pressure is, is on him to, to win. And they, we, we've talked about this before on the show, they don't necessarily, they obviously care about winning, but they care just as much about winning in an exciting way and being entertained. And, you know, I, I think you can go all the way back to Spurrier sort of just spoiling those fans 
And then, you know, you had the Ron Zook era, era right after that. And then Urban Meyer, you know, for when it was rolling, I mean, those offenses were as good as any in the country and had star power. And, you know, you they, they like to not only win, but win with offense. So you, you bring in a guy like Napier, who is an offensive-minded coach, but just it has it has not been pretty there. And so he he this is the last thing he needs is having to deal or worry about some off-the-field matter as well on top of the issues they have had on the field under him yeah they actually got a little bit of a of a reprieve because Alabama like they got Jameer Grimsley who had signed with Alabama like Mm -hmm. they've been able to get because of some stuff that's happened other places they've gotten a couple lifelines recently thrown to them but it, it has been there's been a lot of bad for them lately and you could see how if it doesn't go very well in 2024 you know, the, the ADs, Scott Strickland, their AD, he's been thrown around for some other jobs, but he's also been thrown around for is he going to be there that long? If you're a coach that's been in hot water like Billy Napier, hearing whispers that your AD may be gone because he hired you, sure, <laughs> it's not something that you typically want to hear. So uh, definitely a pivotal year for them in 2024. No, absolutely. Um, and again, we'll kind of see what becomes of that investigation into the Rosada situation. I, I want to get into some of the stuff with, with Coach Beamer. Um, you know, at the end of last week, we talked yesterday a lot about the new hires of James Coley, Coach Blackwell, um, and what they had to say to the media the other day. But Coach Beamer also spoke at length as well on a couple different things. And this was his first opportunity to speak on a lot of the transfers that have come in in the past couple weeks since we last heard from him on early signing day where at that point in time we you know already signed a few guys but a few more have come in since then one of them of course being Robbie Ashford um as well as Davis Bevel who uh was a preferred walk-on obviously but um you know to round out the quarterback room and kind of give it the 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 depth that we were hoping that it would have and that was one of the big concerns when you talked about the transfer portal coming into this offseason let's hear from coach Beamer on his assessment of the quarterback room now that it's kind of filled out uh, it at least seems to be that way Yeah, we've increased the competition. When I look, and we haven't been out, we haven't practiced yet, but just looking at everything from an overhead view right now, Hale, I feel like every position on our team, we are better than what we were when we played Clemson in the last game. When you just look at talent level, the depth, and the experience, you name it. Um, The quarterback position is the one that you could maybe say, okay, that's not necessarily the case uh, because of inexperience and just not a lot of depth. And that was a major problem when we started in January. It's gotten better here in the last couple of weeks, being able to bring in Davis and, and Robbie both as well to increase the competition. I said it the last time I was in here, you got all these quarterbacks that they or anybody, they want to be guaranteed starting jobs. And we weren't willing to do that because two value, two core values in this program are trust and competition. And if I tell somebody something that's not true, well, I violated one of our core values. And if I tell somebody that they're guaranteed a starting job, then I've evaluated or I, I uh, uh, violated the core value of competition. So that's what that is. We got two guys in here that were promised the opportunity to come in, to come in and compete. They're both guys that have started quarterback, started at the quarterback position in power five games. Uh, two good young men that you know will make that room better. So we've increased the increased the competition. We've increased the depth. Every team has you know in college football a target number of guys that you want to have on scholarship at each position. And if you say Luke Doty's a receiver primarily right now, we started the month of January with two Lenoris and Dante Reno, and we knew we got to get some we got to increase the depth in here. 
you know, because uh, most teams want to have at least four, sometimes five quarterbacks on a scholarship. So those two guys uh, make us better and eager to, to, to get going with them, you know, more once we're able to get off the road recruiting. And again, you've accomplished your goal of filling out the room with, with more bodies, now having three scholarship quarterbacks in there with the addition of Ashford. And like you said, it's going to be an open competition. And, you know, Robbie Ashford, you know, obviously is going to come in here with the expectation that he thinks he's the best guy and he's going to be the starter, but he's going to have to compete for it. And, um, you know, that'll play out through the spring and summer months. And I even brought this point up earlier. I don't think we're going to definitively know who the best option is until you really get into, like, conference play in week two against Kentucky because anybody can look good against the old Dominions of the world. But, again, the inside thinking is that it's going to be Lenore Sellers given the fact that he has the inside track having already been here a year. And, you know, this, the few moments we saw him this past year were, were very good. Um, but, again, he's got to go out there and win the job. What do you got against Old Dominion? I'm I'm disrespecting the Monarchs just like I disrespected the Paladins last year. Yeah, so we're, we're gonna be here. We'll, uh, from... You can ding me on that all the off season, I guess. But no, so I, I think you're right, man. And and you, if you were South Carolina, you had to add some of this competition and depth to this room because even if let, let's say Lenore Sellers is who we think he is, and you know, or or even better you still have to prepare for the possibility of an injury. That is that is life in football. Like, it happens, and nobody wants to talk about it or speak it into existence, but you have to be prepared for that. Look no further than South Carolina's team last year. I mean, they obviously um, did not experience injuries at the quarterback position, but you look at so many other spots on this team that were heavily affected by that. And we've seen South Carolina use the transfer portal at various positions to try and upgrade their depth kind of across the board, I think. And, you know, Beamer talked about kind of feeling like, hey, we've we've upgraded at just about every spot to an extent. But quarterback, you you have to replace a Spencer Rattler. And, you know, th- there's something about competition, too. Like, Lenora Sellers has proved that everything we've heard, he is a hard worker. He's willing to do everything he's supposed to do and everything is being asked of him. But th- there's just something naturally that pushes you as a competitor to maybe get in the extra throwing session to maybe get in the extra lift to to maybe just get in one extra little film study if you know you have somebody right on your heels and and that's that's even for even if you're a self-starter even if you're the hardest worker even if you're a guy who does everything the right way there's just something naturally about having that guy pushing you so if you're South Carolina this doesn't mean you're not incredibly high Lenore Sellers doesn't mean Lenore Sellers can't go win the job but you had to go into this season with more options at that position because you really just don't have any experience whatsoever in that room until you added Robbie and Davis Bevel here's a question I would like to dive into did Beamer say that he, aside from quarterback, which you were just talking about and broke down well, I thought, the other positions, he feels like they're deeper at every single spot compared to last year. But a better team than they were. I, I feel like he Clemson. took a step farther. I think he said better. Better at every position. Let's hold that conversation. We'll continue that coming yeah. up. We'll check the tape, too, on yeah, we'll, exactly what it, he said. Yes. Before we, roll it back one we, more time. We'll roll it back one more time and, and dive in a little bit deeper to what Beamer had to say there just a moment ago. It is the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. 
Presented by Firehouse Subs, Tyler at West Metro, Chris Clark, along with you here on 107.5 The Game in Columbia, 100.3 The Game in Myrtle Beach, 100.5 The Game out in Florence, the 107.5 The Game app, and streaming live on The Game TV. Just head to YouTube.com and search The Game TV. You can watch us all day long, sponsored by our friends over at Shepherd's Glass. Welcome back in. It is The Gamecock Central Takeover Hour, presented by Firehouse Subs. Tyler Head, West Mitchell, Chris Clark, along with you on this Tuesday morning. Reminder, coming up tonight, it's a big one. South Carolina men's basketball take it on Kentucky over at Colonial Life Arena. Tip-off at 7 o'clock. Premium coverage starting right here on the game at 6.30. We'll talk about that a little bit later on in the show. But getting back into our conversation about what Beamer had to say on Friday, it was a quote related to the quarterback room, but he said something at the beginning of it and went back and reviewed the tape on it. He said outside of the quarterback room, they felt like the level of talent that they had or that they have now after bringing in guys from the transfer portal, bringing in guys from this recruiting cycle is better everywhere else than when they played Clemson a couple of months back. That's that's quite a statement. Yeah, we checked the film on that just to, to verify for sure. But uh, it, it is a statement. And, you know, I, I think there there are some positions where you're kind of like, yeah, that's that's a hundred percent true. There's probably some positions where I'm like, I could make you could maybe push back. Like it's mm-hmm. it's a it's a big sentence. Uh, I'll put it like that. There are some that are easy yeses. Running back, yes. <laughs> we don't we don't need to you know completely flipped position. Yeah. Absolutely, like the, you, nobody can be. Like, I don't really know if they're as as good there. You know, I mean, no. There, there's nothing. You're better there, uh, barring like three running backs being injured when they <laughs> when they play the first game. There are others that I agree with you, Wes. Like, you could push back. You could say, well, you could argue the point. Like, the one that comes to mind for me is receiver, right? And so you have a different – like, I, I look at what they had against Clemson rather than taking, like, a holistic view of the room, right? Because you, you could put it in one of two categories. You could say, okay – Juice Wells and Leggett, or you could just say, well, what was on the field for most of the season and against Clemson? That, Juice Wells was not included in that. Um, I I do agree with the point that from a like a competitive depth standpoint, they're better this year. My question is, does that equate to being more productive overall in the passing game? I I don't see a Xavier Leggett on the roster like an alpha type. I don't think I see a Juice Wells on the roster. One could emerge, but I'm just going what we know right now. Yeah. What we was, know right was, now. Was Xavier Leggett this time last year Xavier Leggett? He was not. So, nope. Now, now we did think, like, some of the things he had done, you're like, man, this dude's a freak athlete. But, but he at had the same not, time, yeah, he nobody caught, expected like, what we saw. What we saw to what happen, we saw. I feel like. So, you know, could it be that the – the sum of all these parts ends up being a good product. It could be, right? Because maybe you've got some guys that are already on the roster that could take a step forward. You've got these transfers. Is there that number one, like that alpha, that dog? Well, maybe not right now. Um, but you could end up being better there overall. And and I think if I had to guess, I don't want to put words in Shane Beamer's mouth, I think when he says that they feel like they're better – He's probably thinking from that competitive depth yep. experience standpoint because, again, we looked out there at times during the Clemson game 
And you had, you know, if Leggett was not on the field, you had a true freshman in Nick Carver, who we knew still a work in progress. Again, he did not played receiver his whole career. You had Luke Doty, who's like, a, he's been back and forth. You had Peyton Mangrum, who's a former walk-on. So it's not like you had three juniors or seniors who were these super proven commodities. You are bringing some guys into the program that at their previous stops have been proven guys. And so I think that's what you're banking on to have just more competitive depth there at that position. Yeah, I think we've seen South Carolina use the portal for that very reason. Even at positions where you said, all right, they kind of are in a pretty good spot from a depth standpoint. They've gone ahead and brought guys in anyway. Uh, you know, the, the prime example to me is probably DeAndre Jules, who they just said, look, we probably feel good about defensive line, but we're going to bring in another guy because we think he can help and we want to have less drop-off and, and be able to just kind of go in the interior, what, probably five deep mm-hmm. now, I feel like, with, with guys you feel really good about adding to the edge slash defensive end room, Kyle Kennard, but then also saying we're going to bring in Gilbert Edmond as well. We're going to accept him back into the program. So they have, I think, attacked the transfer portal, not just from a clear need standpoint, but from a depth standpoint as well. Well, I think another spot similar to wide receiver where I don't think you can definitively say it's marginally, it's leaps and bounds better than what it was when you played Clemson a couple of months back. It's also tight end. I mean, you lose Trey Knox, who ended up being a very solid tight end, um, this past season, obviously, had played at Arkansas before, so already had experience in the SEC. And we look at a guy like Brady Hunt coming in and what he did at Ball State gets you excited. His size is obviously really good, but I don't know if you can definitively say that makes that room better than it was when you played Clemson a couple months back, having the dynamic of Knox and Simon as your two tight ends. Yeah, I, I don't think you could definitively say it, but I think I could also make a, a case Yeah, because of— Oh, make your case. Yeah, you could make your case brought to you by dun dun. Chris and Wes's law firm, but— <laughs> I think that you could make you could make the case that Brady Hunt brings more upside to that room because I, I think mm-hmm. I mean Knox ended up being really solid and pro- probably was better than people give him credit for. I, I feel like Trey didn't really dealt get. with some injuries in the middle of the season yeah, too. Dealt yeah. with injuries and ended up being was he the second leading receiver on this team? Pretty sh- pretty sure he was by receptions. I believe so. So he he caught a lot of passes, but I, I think they like what they have with Brady Hunt. And then behind behind those two guys, you are just bringing along. You, you had a bunch of first-year players last year. And so you're bringing along Nick Elksness. You're bringing along Connor Cox, Reed McKeska, the freshman. You are obviously bringing in Michael Smith, who I think athletically is, um, is going to be one of the best of, of that group. We'll just see how quickly he can pick everything up and not an early enrollee. So that, that maybe slows that down a little bit. But, yeah, I, I mean – it's going to be hard to go just leaps and bounds better, I think, with what we know right now because we got to see what these guys do in the spring. What do we hear about with summer workouts? How much progress do you make? I mean, i tell you a guy I think South Carolina is probably going to miss more than is being talked about as well that just popped in my head, Marcellus Dial at cornerback. Like, mm-hmm. you you bring back most of that room and you get O.D. Fortune back, he, he'll be asked to take another step forward as a player. But Marcellus Dow was actually really solid last year and was not thrown at very much, which is why you didn't hear his name as much. So I think there there are going to be some guys they have to replace, obviously. And then you still have, depending on what they see in the spring, you still have an additional transfer portal window. I think we all are anticipating them trying to go get another wide receiver. 
I still, my personal opinion, I still would be on the lookout for a cornerback. I don't know internally if that is as much of a priority as maybe it would be for me. I think some of these spots, you can you can easily make the case that they could be as good or better in terms of production, in terms of depth, but you do still have to make a little bit of a leap in assumptions, right? Like like linebacker, you could say. Because you lost Pup Powered, who was a depth guy who probably would have taken a step forward. You lost Stone Blanton, who was a starter. And I think what you're banking on is the transfers that you brought in, right? Guys that are already on your roster improving, you know, Bam Scott, Debo. You kind of you kind of know what you're getting with those guys, but them taking even another small step forward. Some of the young guys, some of the transfers that you're bringing in who have played well in college. And so you're probably thinking, okay, well, linebacker, got some questions, but maybe some more depth there. Same thing at corner. You might be thinking, yeah, you lost your top cover corner, but after summer, once you have Jalewis Solomon in, you've got Emory Floyd, Judge Collier. Do they take another step forward? Does Does OD take that final step forward in his last year? I, again, Bakari Swain, maybe. Bakari Swain. Mm-hmm. I think you're banking on some things and assuming some things there, but but you could see how he arrives at that conclusion. Absolutely. And again, we have an entire offseason to speculate on what this is going to look like when these guys ultimately hit the field. I think we're 220-ish days away from the season starting in August. So a lot of time to talk about this. Um, this past weekend, we didn't get a chance to talk about it yesterday. We talked about the quarter, uh, the uh, quarter, new um, assistant coaches coming in. It was also a very busy weekend from a recruiting standpoint as well in the high school ranks. So we'll talk about some of the guys that were on campus and uh, some potential future Gamecocks um, that were here visiting this past weekend. That's coming up. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs here on the game in Columbia, Florence, and Myrtle Beach. The 107.5 The Game app and streaming live on the Game TV sponsored by Shepherd's Glass. Welcome back in Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Tyler Head, West Metro, Chris Clark along with you here on the game in Columbia, Florence, and Myrtle Beach as well as on the 107.5 The Game app. Just head to the Apple App Store, the Google Play Store. Download it today and listen to us wherever you go, as well as streaming on the Game TV, sponsored by our friends over at Shepherd's Glass. This past weekend was the first junior day of 2024. A lot of uh, uh, prospects on campus this past weekend for South Carolina. You guys were reporting on this on Gamecock Central, and um, a lot of good feedback from from a lot of different guys in both the 2025 class and beyond as well. Yeah, this is kind of the first I would say one of the first steps of the process if you're a class of 2025 guy. Now, you know, obviously this stuff starts earlier and earlier. So a lot of these guys will have already been on campus for visits for games this past fall. And even some of them, if you were already kind of a known commodity as a player, maybe came for a junior day this time last year. But for a lot of 2025s, this is when I would say, unless you're a quarterback, Chris, the the process really starts in earnest. Like you're really starting to kind of try for the most part to lock these visits in as far as official visits to cut your lists. And the the trend these days is take a bunch of visits right now. So January, February, maybe take some spring visits as far as like spring practices, then lock in those official visits for June and then make a decision sometime in the summer. So that that's not uh, not every prospect follows that sort of line uh, as far as the timeline goes. 
but a, a lot of them do. Like that, that's kind of the trend. You of course have some guys that are already committed. The quarterbacks tend to commit a little bit earlier. And South Carolina had one of their top priority guys on campus, and Ryan Montgomery. And so, you know that that's noteworthy. But for the most part, these visits are what get you, in my opinion, the official visits later on in the process. Yeah, this is a really, really, you know, important time. It, it, you go back and kind of look. This is very unofficial, unscientific, right? But if you go back and look at guys that South Carolina has signed over the last few classes, generally they're going to be prospects that at least one of their visits fell in this kind of junior day window. It doesn't mean you're going to get all these guys that visited. It doesn't mean that you can't sign a guy if his first visit is the spring game or a summer camp. And then he ultimately goes and takes an official visit. But this is a time where a lot of the guys that you see coming in, these are guys that Carolina's recruited for before. Some of them it's their first visit. Some of them it's their second visit or even more. But the fact that there's not a ton going on, you're not in season, this is a time where you can just come to campus with your family a lot of times and literally just sit down talk with the coaches. Obviously, South Carolina has some new coaches on, on, on staff. And so this is an opportunity for them to meet those guys for se- several receivers that were on campus. First time, you know, meeting James Coley in person. So that that was a it's a really important step for a lot of these recruits in the process. Yeah, so let's maybe talk about a couple of them if y'all want. And Ryan Montgomery, Chris, it seems like as far as 2025 targets go, that he he's kind of emerged as the guy with the most Mutual interest, I guess, is the way to say it. You know, South Carolina had a a handful of 2025 quarterbacks they offered. And, you know, you're always kind of judging, all right, South Carolina has interest. Now, which of these prospects is most interested in them? And Ryan, he's taken a very deliberate approach to the process. He's got a brother who is at Ohio State. So this family has gone through the recruiting process before and they kind of know how everything works. And it, it's been kind of fascinating, I think, to watch. They kind of did the – they visited last off season, then they said, hey, we want to get in for a game. And, uh, you know, then they do the junior day over the weekend as well. And so it's been very almost systematic, I would say, in how they've handled the process. Now he was at Georgia, might still be there. I think he was at Georgia right after South Carolina. Then – I believe we'll take another Florida visit. And at that point is going to kind of decide, do I need another round of visits in the spring or am I going to visit, uh, you know, or am I going to make my decision at this point? And so for, for Ryan Montgomery, it has felt very much like a South Carolina, Florida battle for some time, but you do have some other schools, Georgia, obviously I think Alabama is involved a little bit, maybe Miami a little bit. You do have some other schools that are still involved in this process with Ryan Montgomery as well, four-star quarterback from Finley, Ohio, which is, by the way, the hometown of Lamont Paris. I was going to say, I saw the picture of uh, him and Coach Paris, you know, getting him involved in the recruiting process a little bit, see if that can maybe help swing him to South Carolina. Yes, yeah, so that, that was the connection. Mm-hmm. That's where Lamont Paris is from. And so Ryan Montgomery – not not a basketball prospect in terms of like really being recruited to play basketball, but actually, as far as I know, anyway. But actually, is is a really good bas like a good high school basketball player cares about basketball and really enjoys basketball from what I've heard. So I, I thought that was a really 
that was a neat little addition to their latest visit was for him to get over there, see the basketball facilities, and meet that coaching staff as well. So you can tell you can tell South Carolina kind of pulling out all the stops on this one at this point. Yeah, and I mean, this has been their guy for a while. You know, it, it kind of – remember back in uh, – back last year, you know, there was a time period where Dowell Loggins had thrown out offers to a few 2025 quarterbacks um, and just – with who they've prioritized and just how things have settled, you know, in the landscape with some of those other targets, this has ended up being their guy. And he's an interesting prospect because, I mean, this is a guy that's been a really, really good player in high school. He's got, he's got good size, 6'4", 220. Certainly, you look at the offer list, it's impressive. A lot, of, a lot of schools want this guy. And last season, 3,300 yards, 71% completions. 38 passing touchdowns. He also rushed for 10 touchdowns. And he broke Ben Roethlisberger's school record for passing yards in a game. Threw for 491 yards in a single game. So you can be associated with a stat and you break a Ben Roethlisberger stat. You know, pretty solid. So you can see why a lot of schools want this guy, including South Carolina. And it would definitely be a big get. I mean, he he's kind of been the focus for them for, for quite a while at the quarterback position in this class. Yeah, well, one thing to note here, talking about, you know, new coaches, obviously, Coley and Blackwell getting to meet with some of these recruits, just kind of scrolling through your coverage here on Gamecock Central. Uh, Michael Carroll, who's an offensive lineman out of Pennsylvania, put up a picture. Pete Limbo, the day before he leaves to go take the Buffalo job, still out there recruiting, still being a part of this junior day and doing whatever he can to help South Carolina before taking off to uh, his new role up there in uh, Buffalo. Yeah, I would expect nothing different from Pete Limbo going to finish the job and and now is uh, starting a new journey up there at Buffalo but yeah Michael Carroll another I mean they are once again we've seen this trend the last two cycles really just that's another four-star offensive lineman that they had on campus that's an out-of-state guy that they've gotten heavily involved in Um, I think Jalen Gilchrist back in this coming weekend another four-star they've had him on campus God, it feels like 10 times at this point. So that, that's that been a trend we've talked about, getting these highly rated, highly recruited offensive linemen on campus. And it seems like a like an obvious statement. But if, if you're going to land these out-of-state guys who are highly rated, you have to get a bunch of them on your campus. And you're not going to get them all. You're In fact, you're going to miss on more of them than you're going to land. But if you can get a bunch of them on your campus multiple times, then – that's going to increase your chances, obviously, of, of landing a couple of them out of, you know, if you get three or four out of 15 that you have on campus, then you're pretty happy with that on the offensive line. So that this this group, you know, Lonnie Teasley, Sam Survey, the, the group that kind of is primarily involved with recruiting offensive linemen, they've done a fantastic job at that. Yeah, Michael Carroll, Penn State legacy, but this was actually his second visit, you know. I mean, he he's one of the guys who were covering camp last year. He Came to camp from up north, earned an offer, and you could tell, hey, they're they're probably going to be a factor here, you know. And and so you're you're right, Russ. For those out of state guys, I mean, I still remember walking around camp, and here's Dylan Stewart working out at camp with Sterling Lucas, and this wasn't Dylan Stewart before he had any offers. This was like five star Dylan Stewart. Everybody's already after him. Still in the earlier stages of the recruitment, but when you saw that, that's something you kind of note. Okay, here's this big time guy. He's not just coming to campus and walking around. like He's working out with this coach at a camp. That's something to watch. 
Absolutely. We'll come back and wrap up today's edition of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Big matchup tonight in the hardwood. South Carolina playing host to Kentucky. We'll dive into that next here on the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour on the game in Columbia, Florence, and Myrtle Beach on the 107.5 The Game app. Streaming live on the Game TV, sponsored by Shepherd's Glass. I mean, I probably ought to come to the game tomorrow with 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 a quarter zip that's undefeated. I probably I probably ought to do that. I think the the, the math would probably work better in my favor. So we'll see. Uh, we got one. There's a new one that I haven't even worn. That's also black. Ten minutes it's black. So we'll see what it looks like. Welcome back into the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Tyler Head, Wes Mitchell, Chris Clark, along with you for a few more minutes. That was Coach Paris again coming up tonight at 6.30 pregame coverage as they take on Kentucky. Tip at 7 o'clock here on the game. You'll hear from Coach Paris on Carolina Calls on Thursday for the women take on LSU that night at 8 o'clock pregame coverage starting at 7.30 here on the game. Uh, sounds like he's breaking out a new quarter zip. He does have one that's undefeated. I don't know if that's the black one, though, because it is a blackout game tonight. Um, so regardless, sounds like it's going to break out a new one and, um, you know, going to need to throw everything they can at Kentucky because that's going to be a tough matchup coming in and hopefully can replicate the success you had against them at Rupp Arena last year. I think it's awesome that the quarter zip movement has become such a thing. I think it hits a new stratosphere if South Carolina wins tonight. For sure. And he, he's got to wear a black one, I think. I mean, it's, it's think. a blackout. He, he has to. But Everyone, everyone else is wearing black. He's just got a solid white one on, stand out. Yeah, I don't think you can do that. But, guys, Kentucky, which I I figured would be favored, which they yeah, are, yep. only favored by four and a half. Mm-hmm. So, I, I feel like in, in this stuff, I was, I was about to say this is South Carolina's getting some respect here. All this stuff is by metrics and analytics and numbers and – it's all based on that. But still, I, I think that speaks to the improvement of this South Carolina basketball team and maybe some of these metrics that go into the FPI matchup predictor and go into how Vegas sets their lines are, are starting to see that this is a good basketball team at, at South Carolina. And I, I think we, if you watch them week in, week out, you'll, you'll see that they are a good basketball team. I think the thing we don't know yet is – just how good are they as they go through the SEC gauntlet? And so to win at Arkansas, especially after you kind of gave one up, you know, to Georgia at home, that was huge. And it, it kind of puts you back a little bit on pace. You're above the 500 line as opposed to looking up at it and having to fight your way back to it. And, and now I don't want to say you're playing with house money because, you know, this is a great opportunity. You don't want to give away this, you know, tonight at, at South Carolina, but to me, this is a chance for one to to take another step, obviously, in, in staying above 500, but uh, to get a national type win, to get a resume building win, and you know we were talking with um, with Sydney and Grace earlier about the level of excitement on campus. This is an opportunity where your fan base is going to be at the game. They're going to be engaged. There's going to be a big crowd where you continue to kind of build that momentum with this fan base because I've seen this fan base when they don't care about men's basketball, and I've seen this fan base with certain teams when they get really, really invested in watching them and going to the games and creating an atmosphere. So they they will support you as far as men's basketball, but you do kind of have to win, I I feel like. And so this is an opportunity – 
for another marquee win in a number of different ways. Wes, I was telling Tyler last week about you you remember even in the Darren Horn era where Colonial Life Arena would be full. Remember the four corners picture for the Georgia game that year? Um you're right. The Garnet Army. The Garnet Army. By the way. Remember that? Oh, I remember that. They had the hype video and everything. By the way, quick aside on the game tonight, you know who's gonna be at Colonial Life Arena? Chris Clark. Well, I heard Wes Mitchell will be. I will be. You may sign an autograph. Take Taylor Swift. Taylor will not be there. Jason Kelsey. Walker Horn, the son of Darren Horn, is on the Kentucky basketball team. He's a walk-on. Ah. Probably won't play if I had to guess. If he's playing, it's If he's good playing, or bad. it's gone bad. <laughs> or, or, or really good. good. Or really good. He's played one minute this year. He played in four games last year. So, yeah, that's kind of interesting, right? Return of Horn. So, will Darren be there? Darren's probably coaching this team. Yeah. Where's he at now? Northern Kentucky. Northern. They made the NCAA tournament last year. He's really good with the directional Kentucky teams, <laughs> if you haven't noticed. He's going to he's gonna get, like, a slightly bigger job, and then if that doesn't work out, he's like, is there a Southern Kentucky there a around South, here somewhere? Southwestern Kentucky, maybe? I mean, there's got to be. What, what about it? There's an Eastern. There yeah, is an Eastern, Eastern Kentucky. Yet. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, one of the big points of conversation in this game, I don't know if anybody's ever set the world on fire by playing 16 minutes as much as uh, Big Z, uh, Zavon Namir, Ivisic for Kentucky making wow. his debut against Georgia on Saturday. Literally gets cleared by the NCAA that morning, goes out there, comes off the bench and balls out, goes uh, three or four from beyond the arc, has the behind-the-back assist uh, pass um, to one of his teammates. Like This dude, he's not going to go out there and play the entire game, but he's going to come off the bench, and at seven foot two, he's going to be a matchup problem the entire game however long he's out there yeah another another game it it feels kind of like Josh Gray has been in the spotlight a little bit lately and um you know is is an entertaining guy to watch I I feel like and so Josh Gray having to maybe match up with some of these big men you're going to face throughout conference play um including that young man who I'll just let Tyler say his name say Big Z that's all I gotta say Big Z yeah that's a good nickname Not, not a big night for Josh Gray potentially in trying to match up with some of these big men absolutely excited to see what happens here's hoping the fighting quarter zips can walk away with uh, another big victory against kentucky that uh, hopefully sets tone for the rest of the season madness is here say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed it's time to go dancing on america's number one sports book Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com on3 and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXTSTEP to 53342 in Arizona, 
1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia, or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York.